you go on cnbc.com or you go on bloomberg.com that that whole mix of shows and different concepts hasn't been brought to the internet what is good futurists this is michael zakan founder and creator of our future the business podcast for young people delivering exclusive insights and career advice from the brightest minds in business so you can unlock your future. Before we kick things off here, just want to make sure you're all subscribed to Our Future newsletter, where we connect you with the ideas, trends, and mindsets defining modern success in business as a young person. You can subscribe at ourfuturehq.com or click the link in the description of this podcast episode. It finally happened! With exuberance, passion, and a tall nitro cold shot of admiration, I am announcing my next guest as Alex Lieberman, co-founder and CEO at The Morning Brew the fake coffee company and true business media company that in many ways inspired me to build my own. When Alex was at the University of Michigan, like I am now, he realized that kids didn't really love reading the Wall Street Journal. And if anything, they admitted that they did rather than stating that they did, rather than being proud about that. So Alex was determined to design business news for young people. And he created one of the most famous email newsletters and media startup success stories. And he and his co-founder Austin just cashed in in October. They sold the majority stake of Morning Brew to Business Insider valuing Alex's startup at $75 million. Alex is Forbes 30 under 30 and a young legend in the business world. At just age 27, he has a sizable army of followers and he spends much of his time now as a top of funnel for the brand. Just like me, he's interviewing executives such as CMOs on that series and hosting one of my personal favorite podcasts, Founders Journal, which teaches other entrepreneurs how to build better. This podcast doesn't focus on the founding story of Morning Brew, but focuses on Alex's new passion and potting and the future of the brand. This was a long intro, but totally justified. Let's kick this one off. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Got my uh, got my afternoon brew here, right here for uh, for Mister Morning Brew. Love it. I love the background, also. But yeah, you got you got some seltzer with you right now. I do. All right, so let's cheers it. We got we got to celebrate. Congrats Cheer. on congrats on the acquisition, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Much appreciated. And I actually got the uh, Michigan Mom mug right here. Shout out Stacy Whitman for for arranging everything. Complete <laughs> hero. Complete hero in the inbox. Do you mind if I ask like, how many how many emails do you get a day? I don't know the exact number, but what I do know is that usually I do my email in batches and I respond to emails probably every two to three days in general, unless there's like some really pressing email I get back to. And when it gets to two to three days of emails, I'm usually sitting between 250 and 300. Dang, that's quite a quite a stack to get through. Do you have a time period like every day? You're like, All right, I'm going to grind back responses to Founders Journal like people right now. Uh, I, um, well, first of all, that's why I have my, my mom helping me out. Uh, then I basically, the way I think about it is, Emails are one of those things that you can get back to when you don't have to be like fully on. And so it's usually the type of thing that I reserve for like end of day sitting on the couch because to me, it doesn't necessarily make sense to answer emails when you're first starting your day and like your brain is in its like most prime form to actually think. Um, so I usually do it end of day. Well, I think I just need to provide a little bit of context here for the listeners. For those of you who don't know, Back in August, I made a very public audition to be the host of the Morning Brews 
upcoming talk show for a podcast. And I made a big ask. I actually invited Alex onto my show in that video. It bombed 7,000 plus views on LinkedIn. I got like 500 connection requests just from the video. And uh, Alex and, and Austin threw up comments. I think Alex, your comment on that video has 44 likes, just, just to provide a, a little bit remember, of context. I can't remember what the comment was. What was it? It was 10 plus 10 points for the creative wallpaper. Uh, there we go. Exactly. And I think we just have to talk about big asks because that's why we're here right now. And I think that you made a, a big ask recently that I'd like you to touch on because what's crazy is I'm this 20 year old kid. I mean, my life is making big asks all day. And it's really cool to me that you are five years ahead of me and there's still big asks for you to make of people. A recent Founders Journal episode that I did, and for those of you that are listening that haven't heard of Founders Journal, it's basically, it's my daily audio diary where my goal is to help other entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, I refer to them as business builders, build the mindset that they need to build what they're building. A lot of building going on. And uh, this episode was about making big asks and just how when you think about the downside of making big asks, it's like this, the, the stakes are pretty low, but the upside can be really significant. And so what I did was um, Barbara had tweeted something. Uh, I'm not gonna be able to scroll back and find it right now, but basically she had tweeted something about like uh, how the people who ask for raises and ask for title bumps are the ones who get it. And like, yeah basically said like make your big ask today and so my mind was just like this is the perfect opportunity to ask for something um like you know you, you wait to pounce on opportunities to get in front of big names who again you can assume are getting hit up by hundreds of people a day and so my big ask was um i wanted to see if barbara could get me on to be a guest uh, shark. I, I had misused yep. the word uh, judge and I was corrected. It's not a judge. I, to, be, <laughs> to be a guest shark on Shark Tank. Between me and you, Alex, I think you'd make a great, great host on uh, a great <laughs> shark on Shark Tank. I, I, I just, I, I think I just, you'd make a great uh, one. I, I need a few more commas of net worth and then uh, maybe. Yeah. Fight. Oh, well, they went up recently. Yeah, you're getting there. They're getting there. So <laughs> I was waiting for the perfect context to, to hit you up and get you on the show. I wish that my greatest founder role models all had a founder journal like you do. Um, but Alex, I, I have to I have to blow some some smoke your way because you are so good at speaking publicly and also being vulnerable and sharing what you're learning as a business leader. And I believe that if every CEO had a founder's journal, it would be not only ex incredibly exciting for the brand and would allow people to be more excited about that company and what's going on. But then there's the side that, do you believe Tim Cook has the ability to, to open himself up in the way that you do? Is this something that can be taught to all CEOs? Well, it's interesting. So I think there's a group of, I think there's a group of business leaders that have leaned onto their self-awareness, reflection, and vulnerability as an asset. I think there are other leaders that have not and like, like, I think it all depends on like the personality of the founder. But my view is, you know, one of my goals with Founders Journal is to productize Founders Journal, not just around me, but to productize Founders Journal as like the, 
the database, the Wikipedia for founders journeys, where, you know, I envision like a site that literally has a database of thousands of founders, all following the same format of founders journal, eight to 10 minutes, one story, one lesson, and that's it. And the idea is like, you can go down the Alex Lieberman journey if you want to understand what it's like to be like in inning three of a business that's bootstrapped in the media industry. But say you want to go down the rabbit hole of, you know, consumer retail, just IPO'd, you can do that as well. When I was thinking about the value prop of this show, um, one of the producers for Founders Journal, his name's Uswin. He he does it as a freelancer. Yeah, I saw you copied on on one of yeah, his emails. He he um he he had said like think of the show like Founders Journal is the X podcast for Y audience. Basically, very clearly understanding what is the expectation you're setting for who, and so. The, the answer that I had was more uh, Founders Journal is the mindset podcast for business builders. And when people think mindset, I think they think like very foo-foo self-help. And so I wanted to like drill down a little deeper into what mindset meant. And in my yeah. mind, it was ideas, thoughts, strategies, and feelings. I think this gives me the latitude to have enough content, but also to have it um, tie together under this like umbrella of mindset. And I think what that does is it keeps the content fresh, but it also sets an expectation for the listener of, oh, I'm gonna listen to Alex today and I'm gonna learn some interesting way that he's thinking about something or some way that he is um, uh, he is experiencing something. And there's gonna be yeah. a story that provides texture to that lesson or to that idea. Absolutely. That is interesting to think about. I call our future the business podcast for young people. Now. It's because I believe that I am one of the youngest people uh, in the world who is interviewing the people I do, next by length and next by questions. Because by virtue of being the age I am, the things people say to me are different than they say to anybody else in the business interview world. Now that you have me down this rabbit hole of like content and media, like Morning Brew is such an insane, like you want to move from a newsletter company to a media company. A very small percentage of media consumption, especially among people my age, is obviously occurring over email. It's all, whether it be web-based or uh, multimedia, right? What is the first thing people are going to see about the morning brew when they're scrolling on TikTok? They're scrolling through the YouTube algorithm. What is the first touch point through video of your brand that's that you're going to I know you're thinking about it. It's a it's a huge question. I think the well, the first thing is, is us as a company putting our stake in the ground to say that we want to create video and multimedia content, because I think for a long time we are hesitant about it because one, I don't think we just knew enough about video to have a to have a point of view, but also because I believe that we were worried because of not owning the relationship with the consumer, like on email, like with email, yes, there's a middleman of email, which is your client, Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, Outlook, but there isn't an an always changing algorithm per se. Whereas on the platforms, we've seen companies fail as a function of algorithm changes. And so the question becomes, how do you create video in a way that you believe you're truly building a an owned relationship with your audience? Like an email, we own your email address. So we are able to attach people's behavior activity with our product 
to an actual email. With video, how do you do that? With podcasting, how do you do that? I think actually the best place to start is YouTube. And I think YouTube can be the anchor content that then can get redistributed through podcast players, through social platforms, through Twitch, through every other platform. To me, YouTube is where your anchor content should Agreed. live. Agreed. You, build, you build your subscribership there and then you distribute. It's what I call squeezing the juice out of the lemon. Um, and, and in terms of the content we're thinking about creating, honestly, there are so many ideas, but in it, I would say the way I would pack it is say two things. One is that no one has reprogrammed linear TV business, linear TV for our generation, meaning you go on cnbc.com or you go on bloomberg.com. They're terrified. And, and you look at their, their slate from 12 a.m. to 11.59 p.m. All that, that whole mix of shows and different concepts hasn't been brought to the internet. And so to me, there's a whole opportunity to create content for the modern business leader, not just around business news, but business lifestyle, entrepreneurship, personal finance, investing, industry-specific content, and basically just reprogram TV for the internet. And so that can look like everything from Morning Brew doing what it does in newsletter and multimedia form. So a daily five to 10 minute quick hitting roundup of the most important business content by a host, all the way to our generation's version of Shark Tank, all the way to our- That's what I was thinking too. All, all the way to our generation's version of MTV Cribs to talk shows about the markets and investments. It's not going to be like someone in front of a desk with their hands in front of them, with their yeah. papers in front of them, the highlighter next to that, looking in the camera and at a desk. I think it'll be someone who has a green screen behind them, them just talking and shooting the shit through edutainment, teaching the audience while cracking jokes and being witty, and then editing like video, editing stills into it, and having it be way more like your what way more like you're just you are talking to your friend who's really smart on the couch having beers and all you did was you shot them saying to you whatever they wanted to say and then you edited in some cool stuff to just add some you know texture to it authentic conversation that teaches exactly and i i think we're done with this buttoned up shit man i think we're ready to break it down like you have i think we're ready to stop treating business like you're some perfect ceo who pulls up in a perfectly pressed suit with a suitcase every time it's hard it's difficult it's a it's a disaster you know what i'm saying in many cases i how can you share how can you be real like people you know you're the guy who blew up on tiktok the cranberry juice guy yep just a typical guy like great like he's longboarding to work like you know yeah i, I think uh honestly it takes having honestly, like a level of comfort and comfortability with yourself in order to be okay with doing it. Because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, like some people may find it embarrassing that their mom's their chief of staff or that they're in their grandparents' home or that they feel like they're a creative mind, but oftentimes they're scatterbrained or that like all these things that people would feel like are weaknesses. And, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's almost one of those things when you lean into vulnerability, you lean into the things that people would would assume that you think are like your weaknesses. There's there's nothing for people to grab onto. When and not saying that like my whole brand is self-deprecation, but the fact that I am calling out everything, like 
everything that's out there, there's nothing to find there. There's, it's just, that's me. And, and I think, you know, if you were asking me, like if I was to create the show when I was in middle school or high school, it would have been totally different because I would have had way more self-consciousness about saying some of the things I saw that I said, because I would feel way more uh, sensitive and not confident about just who I am. But I think it takes like a level of self-confidence that everyone hopefully uh, should get to or has to be able to call out the things that are kind of like, you know, the idiosyncrasies and quirks about your being. So Alex, I think, uh, you know, here I am, the next kid coming out of Ross who wants to do what you did. Uh, What do you wish you knew when you started? I wish that I knew it was okay to not be good at everything. And that at the end of the day, you're realistically going to only be exceptionally good at one or two things. And so the earlier you can understand that, the earlier that you can surround yourself with people that uncover those blind spots. Um, I would say that's the biggest thing is uh, you come out of a school like Ross that is highly competitive. Everyone is a type A personality that thinks they're great at everything. And what you end up learning very quickly is that maybe in life, are there only one or two things that you're a nine out of 10 at? And the other things you're relative to all other professionals, like a six out of 10, seven out of 10. And that's okay. That's like a reality. But I think it's important to realize that early on, because if you realize that you find the people who are nine out of 10 are the things that you're six out of 10 and you compliment them because you're a nine out of 10 on the things that they are a six out of 10. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Alex Lieberman, co-founder and CEO of The Morning Brew. There are links in the comments to follow him on Twitter and LinkedIn and to sub up to The Morning Brew if for some reason you're not already on there. This interview meant so much to me and Alex is one of my biggest role models. So thank you, Alex, for taking the time, responding to my email of your hundreds you get every day. And to round this up, my first request is for you to leave me a review on Apple Podcast. My second is to stay frosty and to have a sick start to your week.